let's start the record. A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rue Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversation. All right. Uh, welcome. Uh, we're here in Lausanne, uh, together with uh, Yves Pignier, uh, who is the professor at the University of Lausanne since uh, 1984. And together with Alex Osterwalder, he invented the business model canvas, the value proposition canvas, and the business portfolio map. And these are all practical tools that are trusted by millions of users and business practitioners. You um, have co-authored the international best-selling books, Best Business Model Generation, The Value Proposition yep. Design, uh, and recently The Invincible Company, which uh, even Alex are also ranked number four in the Thinkers 50 most influential management thinkers in the world and hold the Thinkers 50 Strategy Award. So we are absolutely thrilled to be in your own very backyard, Eve, yeah. here in Lausanne. <laughs> To um, uh, you've just spoken as a keynote at uh, PCMA convening uh, EMEA um, uh, today here in October in 2021, um, and we're delighted to have you join us. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you. It was nice to give this keynote this morning in my backyard. <laughs> so, okay. Thank you. So, what what the listeners might not know is that we got heavily inspired by you. Uh, by Alex and by Eve, um, and the way they created Canvas, the way they created the thinking, the Canvas thinking, inspired us heavily. Um, and we don't reflect on that too much, and we don't share that too much anymore with our audience. But in fact, it is the, the, the case that in 2013, when they launched the uh, Business Design it's Summit in Berlin, we went there and we swiped our credit cards within two minutes after we saw the proposition. And that, um, at that conference, <clears throat> there was a call for toolsmith, right? So you're presenting different tools, different adjacent tools to the business model, Canvas. And we were actually using that to build our own tool, which is now the Event Canvas. And also we have adjacent tools right now. What we would like to, yeah, pick your brain about is to what kind of evolution have you gone through? Um, uh, how can our listeners learn a little bit more about the business model canvas next to the event canvas already, uh, but also the, the stages of growth your company has gone through and uh, the company you have with Alex got, have gone through. Um, so let me start the first question. And one, one of the first question is now, after you have established the language, which is yeah. done through business model canvas, um, how, do, how did that first came to fruition and, and after the book, how did you, what was the first steps of growth and how do you describe it until now? Okay, but you remember when we created the business model canvas, we wanted to keep an open thing. So it means we managed this one under Creative Commons license. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm convinced, it helps 
to diffuse and to be known. Because at that time, we were no names. You remember, a long yes. time ago, yeah. in 2010 or 2009. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's one of the things. And though the book came, and it was quite popular, and both, and it's still for free. And the book, you remember, it's a freemium model. So yes. it means that the first 100 pages was for free. That's the second thing. Third, we organized some workshop, and you mentioned the business design submit, and mm -hmm. also it gives visi uh, visibility, not only for people having to create business model, but also for people maybe interested in uh, some to create some visual tools, as you did, it seems. Yes. And so yeah. I'm very happy to know that at least <laughs> one of the outcome of this uh, event, the business design submit, was uh, the uh, design canvas. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the inspiration of applying the business model canvas in our space of the events industry led us to experience that events are actually very short business cycles. And if you look at an event in that way, it is a, it, it is a first way to kind of decode how an event works. Um, the model that you've successfully applied is, especially inspired by the language, is the thing that really sparked with us. Mm -hmm. We also were extremely um, fascinated by figuring out what is the thing that creates value at events. And what we've discovered is that behavior change is the thing that is the value driver um, at events. And it happens at, in different ways with different types of people. Um, with the business model canvas, you, you have um, reached out into all sorts of verticals of businesses. Mm -hmm. And it's very widely spread. Mm -hmm. What can be learned from that? For us, uh, I think the business model canvas is just one tool focused on designing the business model. But we didn't try to put everything in it. And so strategy is not in, uh, culture is not in. Mm -hmm. And our idea with Alex was to develop a kind of toolbox. The first one was the business model canvas. Then we uh, deep dive in the value proposition. Uh, more recently, we came with the culture map. And I can see a link between the culture map and your approach because the the big piece in the middle is the behavior, trying to map the behavior, to be explicit about the behavior inside your company, especially if you want to establish an innovation culture. What does it mean to have some more innovative behaviors or behaviors allowing to be creative or to be innovative and to have a good outcome, innovation outcome? And I think I see a link at this stage. But again, for us, uh, <coughs> We did, when we created with Dave Gray uh, this culture map, it was not to cover all the uh, aspects of culture. We have another tool that we call the corporate identity, mm -hmm. focused on strategic aspiration, culture, value, and image you want to project. Again, it's a link between culture. So I think culture is a generic term, and we can have a focus on what does it mean behavior for uh, even organization? What does it mean behavior if you want to be more innovative inside your company? And so on. So we, we just had um, um, a keynote from you. And what, one of the things in, what, it, what inspired me is that also in larger corporations um, where you think they're, they're much more business savvy, um, uh, people uh, struggle with the fact like um, exploit business models, explore business models. And um, this book, Invincible Company, was still necessary to publish because many corporations don't do that. Now, our, our um, event designers who speak this language, 
have trouble addressing this to their C-suite, have trouble addressing uh, changes to the C-suite. And I think you used Kodak as an example, right? Um, but nobody thinks they will, be the, they will be the next Kodak, right? So no, no. How, do you, how do you solve that? <laughs> First, you mentioned Kodak, you could mention BlackBerry, Nokia. So even the number one, could fail or could decline. So that's first. So all we manage is, I think it only by convincing people <laughs> that it's their business to prepare the future. Mm -hmm. Or you can accept to see your business dying maybe in one, two, five, ten years. So I think it's also the mission of the top leadership to consider that the future is also something that they have to consider seriously, not just... Uh, as uh, Steve Blank say, uh, innovation theater. No, no, real stuff. So having some an exploration or a growth engine and to take seriously if, with a strong support by leadership with uh, means also resources allocated for innovation, but also to put innovation very top in the orcha. Because if you have no power, it won't be possible because the money comes from the exploit. That's mm -hmm, clear. Mm -hmm. And you spend in innovation. And so if you have not this transfer of uh, means and resources, mm -hmm. it won't work. So it means that innovation has need to have a power. And the last aspect, if you don't change your practices, it won't work because I'm convinced that the skills you need to exploit or to explore are different. One is managers, managing, and you know how to do it. And innovating, uh, innovation requires a kind of, what you mentioned, entrepreneurship or something. So it means we need to have people with a skill set, mm -hmm. which is focused on how to test, how to design, how to uh, manage, how to kill project, how to manage the portfolio of innovation project that you hope to launch in the exploitation. Yeah. If you're enjoying this conversation, check out the book and full multimedia experience by purchasing your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Visit designtochange.online to order your copy and start interacting with more thought-provoking content like this. Conversation. Because today at PCMA, we saw a lot of people visiting PCMA are people um, in in charge of uh, associations, associations being medical or scientific associations. And their product is either membership and membership services, but their main product is mainly events, conferences, annual conferences. Yeah. So these people, so how, what, what would be your advice to these people when you look at, uh, you gave a quote, um, Steve Blank's quote, I think, and it was, um, your current business is paying your salary and your uh, innovation is, is actually paying your pension. I, I, I probably misquote you, but this no, 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 is... Okay. Um, what would, be, would, would that be to not business owners, but to people in, in charge of an association? I guess it's roughly the same. <laughs> because I chose this morning this TED example. Mm -hmm. It used to be a pure, even-based niche conference. And for different reasons that we didn't cover, they decided to switch to something which is completely different, okay, with these TED Talks. And I didn't mention TEDx and some, some mm -hmm. other evolution they had 
they have done. And so it's possible for people, which are, or for associations or groups or communities, also to consider that the current businesses is even based, and maybe the next one will change, will evolve, uh, and will be maybe more uh, online or not, and, or maybe based on some community pr uh, practice, community, or I don't know what could be the evolution, but I'm sure that even association has to consider, have to consider the future, the evolution of their own businesses. Yet there is no reason why they could avoid to consider this exactly as the regular company have to do. So um, in this kind of huge shock period that this business has gone through recently, right, or at least this whole field has gone through recently, um, we come from a place that Ul was just describing. Some of these associations have maybe you know, 60, 70, 80% of the revenues are, or profits are coming from the events that they've been exploiting sure. for a number of years. Um, what's the best way when everything comes to an abrupt you know, stop, like during COVID for the events industry, they were almost forced to go into exploit mode without, without having the opportunity to even explore further or exploit further because there was no option to have an event in the first place. But, you know, I'm not consultant. So <laughs> in this case, especially in this case, the COVID uh, crisis is not a normal crisis. It's an atomic bomb crisis. <laughs> so it's almost impossible to be prepared to deal with this kind of big issue. And I'm not expert, so I think it won't be fair to give advices to say, okay, you will recover in this way, this way. Uh, in general terms, means that uh, it's clear that they have to take care of exploit because it's declining a lot and so on. So it's clear. But maybe what you have observed in the past, in some crisis, we have seen some company emerging or recovering. So it's possible during a big crisis to be more adapted to the future. I will give you an example, because you mentioned Kodak almost disappearing. It, mm -hmm. They have invented the digital camera, but they were not able to create a business model. It was a big crisis for them. At the same time, Fujifilm, number two, first they reduced um, people, uh, cutting costs and so on. And they say, okay, I have a database of 20 thousand chemical products to uh, develop films and so on. What I can do with this one? And they launched Astalift, a cosmetic company, and it has completely changed in five, uh, six years the portfolio of uh, Fujifilm. And now the film represents only 10%, and the remaining part is functional product, healthcare, medical devices, and so on. So I think they have seen during the crisis that it was not just cutting costs or trying to find short-term solutions. They say, what I can do in the future to be able to recover when the crisis will be behind me or something. So I think we have some, and Sony, I think, was roughly in the same situation long before. So I think uh, even if I recognize big crisis, maybe you can, at small scale, anticipate a little bit for the future to be ready to recover when the situation will be a little bit better. But if you don't prepare the future, it will be maybe also hard for you <laughs> to, to come and to survive on long term. So, well, but again, I, I'm not able to give advices to the invent industry. Mm -hmm. I can just observe 
that it's maybe possible also to prepare on small scale what could be the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, since introducing the business model canvas, um, this was over a decade ago or about yeah. a decade ago, um, a lot of changes have happened with the practitioners of the mm -hmm. business model canvas mm -hmm. and those that have become more proficient. What, what kind of changes have you seen? Okay. The first one you have to know that in 2000, when I came with the nine blocks, mm -hmm. it was to help young entrepreneurs on the campus here, just here in Lausanne. So mm -hmm. scientists, engineers, students in engineering, mm -hmm. just to help them because they were not able to explain me the business they wanted to create. But the banks were requiring a business plan. And I considered the business plan is not the best tool for helping them to create or to define the business model. So the focus at the beginning with Alex was entrepreneur, 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 young entrepreneur helping mm -hmm. them. What we have seen in the last five, six years, big companies have decided to adopt it, to adopt the business model canvas and some other uh, uh, innovation tools. Mm. So we say, wow, <laughs> uh, that's strange. Those companies have the big consulting firm. Why they use a so stupid, simple tool, nine blocks on a page? <laughs> and so we say, aha. So we have seen that. And we have seen that they still struggle with innovation, not because it's complicated to feeling the, the canvas, but just because it's difficult to change the culture, to create innovation or the condition for innovation, to manage innovation centers and program, innovation programs and so on. And what we have seen is this evolution that the tool was mainly focused on entrepreneurs and progressively it pivoted towards big companies. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why Alex, when he started, uh, when he created uh, Strategizer, he focused first on helping entrepreneurs and incubators. And, and very quickly he has seen, hey, big companies have bigger problems to create <laughs> and to innovate. So mm -hmm. we could try to define not only tools such as a portfolio map and culture map, and, but also some kind of coaching activity for helping big companies, existing companies, to transform their business, to shift progressively, to improve or to create new venture. I think it's a, the recent uh, evolution of uh, our work, but also uh, strategizer activity. Well, we're delighted um, that the languages connect, right? So sure. the mental model really helps people to have better conversations. Uh, the language connection between business modeling, but also how behavior change in events creates value has been a very purposeful thing. And the crossovers and inspiration we are very grateful for. So uh, um, this conversation is really also unique because we're live here outside <laughs> in your very own backyard after an event, um, be able to connect in person. Thank you. Uh, thank you for this onstage part. Um, and we'll see you backstage in just a moment. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage.